one day we had a guest lecturer who was talking about people who have my disability, which is a invisible and hidden disability. So that guest lecturer assumed that nobody in the class um, had the condition she was talking about. And she said, you know, people like that, they don't achieve much in life. It's hard to hold down a job. They certainly don't end up here as students at UCSF. So I think it's that kind of everyday culture of assuming that people with a wide spectrum of mental and physical challenges aren't here at UCSF because we are here. I'm Ben Mansky, and you're listening to The Fog at Bay. In today's episode, we sit down with three UCSF students with disabilities or chronic conditions to talk about their experiences in graduate and professional school. The Americans with Disabilities Act, or ADA, was passed by Congress in 1990, and it prohibits discrimination against people with disabilities. It also requires employers and businesses to provide reasonable accommodations, like ramps into a business or a sign language interpreter. While the ADA has been in place for more than 25 years, it can still be a struggle for students with disabilities to get the accommodations they need. In this episode, we'll hear stories of legal battles over accommodations, how well different institutions in the Bay Area approach disability and accommodation, and how students with disabilities use their role as both patient and provider to improve the field of medicine. Here's Phoebe, Lawrence, and Sarah. I went through a very extreme version of discrimination. Um, I had to go through an investigation with uh, the Office of Ethics and Compliance here at UCSF, which is like the most unethical office. They spun everything to be as if I was the problem for bringing the question forward and bringing the issue forward and did the same. They twisted the words of the people involved in the the investigation. They left out key witness statements from the copy of the investigative report they gave me. Um, And I contacted an attorney about it because I was just so appalled. Um, I mean, I really ended up getting what I had hopefully wanted was to continue my education, and that's what I was able to get from the investigation. But um, the attorney (laughs) said, yeah, this sounds like classic UCSF. Um, I have a case in federal court right now about a student who um, had similar issues with getting accommodations for their disability. And you know, it's a huge burden to push something through the courts, to go through an investigation, to go to the Office of Civil Rights or the Department of Fair Employment and Housing in California. It is um, something that a full-time graduate student in the medical sciences can't really afford if they want to be functional and successful. Yeah, um, I think that that really touches on just the lack of knowledge amongst healthcare providers about what the Americans with Disabilities Act is and that there are accommodations, meaning that you can perform these essential functions with accommodation as needed. Sometimes I've had situations where I would have both classmates and professors do some form of policing of my activities um, because we Mm. we occasionally have required or mandatory classes. Uh, However, due to, you know, due to fatigue, exhaustion, side effects of medication, I couldn't attend some of them and, or I had to leave earlier than expected. And I guess it would get kind of frustrating to have both classmates and professors just tell me, well, why are you leaving early? And I 
don't feel very comfortable having to explain to them, well, because I'm not feeling very well, you know, and I, I'm not very comfortable with them having to interrogate me about as to why I have to do what I have to do. I've already filed out the appropriate documents or if, if I ever need to be tardy or I have to leave early, but I guess that's just something that really st stuck out for me in, from recent memory. I'm glad you brought that up. I want to talk about that. For me, the biggest burden of having to explain about my disability is the context in which it happens. It's usually in somebody directly confronting me. I've had faculty say to me, well, what's wrong with you? Or questioning why I'm leaving early, exactly what you're describing. And I think what's difficult is as a student, graduate student at UCSF, you're under enor enormous pressure already. And this always comes up at sort of a flashpoint in public, in front of other people. And you have to think of how do I stick up for my rights and not have to talk about personally what's going on with me, which isn't anybody's business. What concerns me about that, what my colleagues describe is that I wonder how are these people doing these things as providers? Because obviously I'm not saying you should medicalize us as students where your colleagues were not your patients. At the same time, like if you're coming to your patient or, yeah, if you're coming to your patient and you're saying these kinds of very interrogative statements and not trusting that they have the tools to manage their health or really infantilizing them because they have a diagnosis, that's not a very effective way to get patients to want to hear any of the information you have to say or to want to um, adhere to any kind of treatment plan that you develop. And also, I wonder if they're even developing treatment plans with their patients or if they're just telling them, you should do this, and then wondering, why aren't they doing it? And so I really feel like the education that UCSF has to offer is trying to teach this generation to be providers that are better than that, to be people that are patient-centered and affirming and trust that patients have the ability within themselves and have a unique um, perspective on how their own illness works in the world. And um, I just wonder why they would approach students differently. Like I'd like, it's like their assumption, like a doctor or a nurse or a physical therapist or a pharmacist isn't somebody with X disorder. Um, and that's just not true. It's just, uh, it's just that there's a lack of diversity because I do agree with my colleagues that a lot of it has been because the benefits are not emphasized, and so the weaknesses are picked on instead of being like, oh, you have type 1 diabetes. That must have been hard to grow up with. What were some things that helped you? So can you help, you know, consult with me on this adolescent who's not wanting to test your blood sugar? Like, why isn't that approach <laughs> the norm? I think also, too, a lot of the conversation around disability, even our conversation so far today, has been looking at sort of the negatives and, you know, the negative impacts. And what I think is missing in the conversation, in my experience with faculty here, and also with professional colleagues, is when you make it difficult for students with disabilities to be here, you reduce the overall diversity of the population, and you're missing out on the positives. Like, for example, as a future healthcare provider and as an RN currently, 
I do bring a different perspective and skill set based on how I've learned to deal with my own disability. And I can use those skills and methods to explore new alternatives of patients. And that's a benefit that my disability brings to my classroom, my classmates, my faculty, my patients. And that doesn't often get talked about. So even when people are willing to talk about this issue, I get frustrated that it gets cast in terms of, well, you need something and we're going to help you with that instead of, hey, I bring a unique perspective that's not heard very often in healthcare. What about that? I don't think UCSF as an institution does enough. I think that there are many individuals at UCSF that do more than enough and really care. Um, But No, I do not think as an institution personally that they do enough. And UCSF's message is advancing health worldwide. And I sometimes wonder why then there's such little knowledge about the process of disabilities um, in healthcare for both providers and patients. There are many providers that were pushed out from healthcare work because of the type of hostility that my colleagues described Um, and just also because there weren't legal protections and there was an enforcement of the legal protections. So I'm glad that, you know, we've been able to shine more of a light on how to get access to these things and to not be ashamed of having access. Um, I also think that something that the nursing school could use that would be helpful would be awareness of mental health as far as their teaching methods as well as their faculty and being aware of not causing stress as a form of trying to get students to perform. And that's been something the disability office has been really trying to, the student disability services office here has been really trying to teach them that anxiety doesn't work. It doesn't motivate. Only very mild anxiety that leads people to pay their bills on time and double check a med order. Like that level, mild anxiety might help. But being harassed or discriminated against or yelled at, uh, especially when you're trying to care for patients on the hospital floor, is not motivating. And I just feel like, again, it's this old school way of having medical education that the people who are in charge now from that generation think, oh, but that's, you know, that's what we did. That's what, how it helped me. Yeah, but how many people with disabilities did that push out? How many people of color did that push out? Or people who are gender fluid? You know, all these identities that did not conform, um, that had to live with these microaggressions, that, that level of stress to hear it all the time uh, was just too much that they couldn't stick around for it. I think it's interesting to contrast two schools um, within the same state system. So if you take a look at SF State and their sort of perspective on disability advocacy and inclusion, and um, I speak from personal experience, I I took some classes at SF State. Um, You know, here's an example. Um, One faculty member here at UCSF said, in terms of talking about accommodations for students, well, we don't want disability to become a thing we're known for. Then you have SF State, where one of the entering students in the School of Nursing this year um, needs full-time care and um, uses a wheelchair. And 
I am certain that if somebody tried to do nursing clinicals in a wheelchair here, it would be a long, hard fight. To kind of add, actually, I, I was thinking of like an instance. There was just one time I had an accident. I broke my wrist and my arm, and uh, you know, I fortunately I couldn't come to class that often and um, at all <laughs> for the entire semester. And you know, I brought brought it up with all my professors, and you know. They're the ones who really worked, and actually they worked together, and they contacted the Office of Disabilities, and they essentially just recorded their lectures for me, or all their lectures, and I was able to take the exam online, and I was just, it went really well. The semester went really well. Bottom line is that the semester went really well because of the extra mile that the professors took to be able to accommodate for that, and I thought that was really amazing. And that's part of advancing health worldwide because not only is Lawrence a patient, but by supporting him and his civil rights and his human rights, he is now able to give back to the world as a doctor. And I feel like it's part of the UCSF mission to empower and support students with disabilities because we're all part of a global world that we're trying to help, and each of us is going to be a patient at some point. Even if you only go to a primary care doctor once a year, you're still a patient, and there's not a barrier, there's not a transition. And I heard that from a professor. This is a transition between being a patient and a, and a nurse. No, it's not. I'll always be a patient, and I'll always be a nurse, hopefully. Um, and... There needs to be an idea of this fluidity of these roles and rather than um, this idea that you somehow can magically stop having a disability. That's insulting to your patients, too, because they can't just magically stop. It's more how can you live in the world in a positive, supportive way. So I feel that this type of support that students need is really just a part of UCSF's greater ability to advance healthcare. You kind of add more to infantilization. Um, you know, this isn't, this isn't just to all the people uh, who are listening uh, who might have disability or might not have disability. You know, just, I guess, if one of your peers, one of your colleagues, or one of your patients, uh, if you think that you know, they might have disability, uh, just treat them as anybody else. Uh, it's really degrading to have someone infantil- infantilize you just because they suspect you might have a disability or you just because you might be different. They think you might be a little bit different to other people. Uh, I believe we're in one of the most, uh, one of the most amazing universities here in the country. And I think we all got into the school through our own merit merits. And I think everyone deserves just the right amount of, an equal amount of respect. I think it's also important that faculty and instructors know that, um, they are in a position of authority and have a lot of power and it's not the same as one of our colleagues in one of our support meetings being willing to say, hey, maybe that comment was inappropriate or um, 
actually that's that might be interpreted as offensive. You know, that is a peer-to-peer relationship, but I would, like, really appreciate faculty and staff not expecting students to educate them. Like, so I think there's a difference between being like, oh, I'm, I, you know, I apologize. I didn't realize that what I said was offensive. Like, that's totally, that happens to everybody. I don't feel like there is an excuse for an ignorance of the law. I feel like um, the ADA has been around since before, not me, but many of the students here were even born. And um, there needs to be awareness of what uh, the faculty and staff need to do to protect the civil rights of the students they serve. Um, And I really do appreciate, and um, there are some faculty members that are really receptive, that they want to meet students in a positive way, not to tell them, no, I'm not going to accommodate you, but to to, to hear, like, what were your experiences? How can we make this a better place? You know, Um, and and like I said, everyone makes mistakes. Everyone says things that can be prejudiced or um, racist or sexist or ableist and it's, it's how we respond and learn from that. Even though we all come with our own disability or chronic condition perspective, we have the same lack of knowledge about what other people are experiencing who have other disabilities and conditions. And we often trip each other up in meetings with the way we talk about things, or we might ask the wrong question or frame something in a way that's not positive and empowering, or is even just kind of, and I'll say for myself, just ignorant. And and we call each other out on that in a really positive and educational kind of way. And I wish those kinds of conversations could happen in larger classrooms and auditoriums at UCSF, because I've learned a lot just being in this group. Like, even as someone with a disability, um, I kind of feel like a beginner in terms of talking about access and other people's needs. And I've learned a lot just being in this group. So I think that's one of the best parts about our community here at UCSF is maybe a better student, a better healthcare provider, and, you know, a better person. I definitely agree with what Sarah said. You know, we came in and we're complete novices to this as well. Uh, We're not immune to criticism. We are also just as likely as anyone else to make these mistakes in assuming, you know, other people's disability status. And we sometimes we often say things out of line. Fortunately, uh, in, in in my class, a lot of my a lot of my classmates are also really keen on this, and they're really really open to discussions about how they can improve and how they can better communicate. But unfortunately. It, Due to the nature of our curriculum, there's really not much time to really talk about this with your with your classmates, and uh, it's unfortunate. In general, I don't mind um, explaining to other people about my disability or the disability process in general. I kind of just take that as that's some of the work that I choose to do as an advocate for myself and for others. Um, I think what's difficult is when you go up against an entire culture of medicine or nursing or of the profession um, where you're kind of fighting against things that have been in place for decades, if not longer, attitudes and ways of being trained like one of my colleagues was talking about earlier. Absolutely, we are expected and want to and enjoy having empathy, not enjoy, but we by nature have empathy for our patients and it's something we work hard at too. But I wonder sometimes why we don't treat each other 
with as much empathy or kindness as we are trained to teach our pa- or to treat our patients and and to build that kind of rapport. And I sometimes think, um, particular to my profession, nursing, that there's this attitude of you have to be tough. You have to, and I, I think medicine shares this. You have to work really long hours. You have to sacrifice work-life school balance. You have to do all these things to be the toughest, best achievement, you know, and achieve the most that you can as a professional. But um, sometimes I wish we could take some of the things we're trained to do in working with patients to help support them and do that for ourselves and each other as peers. I think there's a real disconnect between how you are with patients or how you are in your professional life and then how you are here at school. And I think that relates to the really powerful achievement orientation of many people here at UCSF. And I think that's hard on everybody, regardless of what graduate school you're in, um, what stage of your training that you're at, this relentless emphasis on achievement of a very narrow, scorable variety. Um, I think that's an issue. And as an older student, it's a little, it's a little easier, I think, for me to step back from that because I've had more experiences outside of academia and, and, in the working world, but I think coming back to graduate school is hard because you get very narrowly laser-like focused on a certain type of achievement at the expense of other things like kindness and empathy. To anyone who's listening, whether you identify as having a disability or not, um, I think just trying to find the words to talk about these issues, opportunities for learning more, um, doing outside reading, learning from other people's lived experience when they're willing to share that with you. I think, you know, don't be afraid to just take the first step. Yeah, you don't even have to know the specifics of someone's diagnosis to, to say something like, how can I support you to be successful here? The, the best, one of the best bosses I ever had when I disclosed I need accommodations, that was what she said, and that really stuck with me because I think sometimes it's all it takes. It doesn't matter what the disability is or what the need is or the illness. You know, it, That's all that really needs to be said sometimes to start that conversation and I know that I talked about a lot of negatives, but I really do appreciate that the university has so many people that do care and have forums like this, and that there are many, many, many individuals who really care about the experience of students and other people on campus with disabilities, and they're not forgotten or not seen. We do see them, and we do appreciate them every day and are happy to continue working with them. You know, just talk to anyone with an open mind. Uh, leave your baggage at the door. Don't bring any assumptions with you, and you're going to have a wonderful time getting to know anyone here on, here at UCSF. I think one last pragmatic tip, because I'm a pretty practical girl, um, that you can do is when you're organizing an event or if you're in class or in a clinical group or a working study group, just start asking as a matter of course of everybody, what access needs do you have? And I think that's a great neutral way even people who might not have a disability or chronic condition, they still might have things that are going to help them be a better student and get more of their educational experience. So just ask everyone when you're, when you're the organizer or the leader, what access needs do you have?
We'd like to thank Sarah, Phoebe, and Lawrence for sharing their honest and thought-provoking conversation with us. They've all been involved in the Students with Disabilities Advocacy and Support Group here at UCSF, and you can learn more about this group on the resources tab on our website, thefogatbay.com. This episode was produced by Anna Lipkin, with help from Leigh Kodama, Dimitri Rumis, Allison Comrie, and me, Ben Mansky. The Fog at Bay is supported and funded by the UCSF Vice Chancellor and Provost's Office. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for more.